Hello everybody and welcome to The Power of Positivity. I am your host, James Whisker, and it is my job to spread a little bit of inspiration and joy to you all during these difficult times. In this podcast, I will be sharing touching, inspirational and joyful stories. So sit back, relax and enjoy The Power of Positivity. Welcome to episode three of The Power of Positivity. I hope you're all keeping happy and healthy. Our first story is entitled The Most Beautiful Flower. The park bench was deserted as I sat down to read beneath the long, straggly branches of an old willow tree. Disillusioned by life, with good reason to frown, for the world was intent on dragging me down. And if that weren't enough to ruin my day, a young boy out of breath approached me, all tired from play. He stood right before me with his head tilted down and said with great excitement, Look what I found! In his hand was a flower, and what a pitiful sight, with its petals all worn, not enough rain or too little light. Wanting him to take his dead flower and go off to play, I faked a small smile and then shifted away. But instead of retreating, he sat next to my side and placed the flower to his nose and declared with surprise, It sure smells pretty and it's beautiful too. That's why I picked it. Here, it's for you. The weed before me was dying or dead not vibrant of colours, orange, yellow or red. But I knew I must take it, or he might never leave. So I reached for the flower and replied, just what I need. But instead of him placing the flower in my hand, he held it in midair, without reason or plan. It was then that I noticed for the very first time that weed-toting boy could not see. He was blind. I heard my voice quiver, tears shone like the sun, as I thanked him for picking the very best one. You're welcome, he smiled, and then ran off to play, unaware of the impact he'd had on my day. I sat there and wondered how he managed to see a self-pitying woman beneath an old willow tree. How did he know of my self-indulgent plight? Perhaps from his heart he'd been blessed with true sight. Through the eyes of a blind child, at last I could see. The problem was not with the world, the problem was me. And for all those times I myself had been blind, I vowed to see beauty and appreciate every second that's mine. And then I held that wilted flower up to my nose and breathed in the fragrance of a beautiful rose, and smiled as that young boy, another weed in his hand, about to change the life of an unsuspecting old man. Wow, what a lovely story about a young boy and his flower. And what I personally took from that story is, you know, it's so easy to find fault in the world and find negativity in a lot of situations. But if we just try and find the positive things, I think we would be a lot happier. 
And even though that boy couldn't see, he was still out there spreading joy to other people, which I thought was lovely. Our next story is entitled A Christmas Miracle. A little boy and his grandmother came to see Santa at the Mayfair Mall in December 1997 in Wisconsin, USA. The child climbed up onto Santa's lap, clutching a picture of a little girl. Who is this? asked Santa, smiling. Your friend? Your sister, maybe? Yes, Santa, he replied. My sister Sarah, who is very sick, he said sadly. Santa glanced over at the grandmother who was waiting nearby and saw her dabbing her eyes with a tissue. She wanted to come with me to see you, Santa, so very much, the boy exclaimed. She misses you, he added softly. Santa tried to be cheerful and encouraged a smile on the boy's face, asking him what he wanted Santa to bring him for Christmas. When they finished their visit, the grandmother came over to help the child off his lap and started to say something to Santa, but halted. What is it? Santa asked warmly. Well, I know it's really too much to ask you, Santa, but the old woman began, shooing her grandson over to one of Santa's elves to collect the little gift, which Santa gave all his young visitors. The girl in the photograph, well, my granddaughter, well, you see, she has leukemia and isn't expected to make it even through the holidays, she said through tear-filled eyes. Is there any way, Santa, any possible way that you could come and see Sarah? That's all she wants for Christmas, to see you, Santa. Santa blinked and swallowed hard and told the woman to leave information with his elves as to where Sarah was and he would see what he could do. Santa thought of little else the rest of that afternoon. He knew what he had to do. What if it were my child lying in that hospital bed dying, he thought, with a sinking heart. This is the least I can do. When Santa had finished with all the other children's visits that evening, he retrieved the name of the hospital where Sarah was staying from his helper. He asked Rick, the assistant, location manager, how to get to the children's hospital. Santa relayed to him the conversation with Sarah's grandmother earlier that day. Come on, I'll take you there myself, Rick said softly. Rick drove them to the hospital and came inside with Santa. They found out which room Sarah was in. A pale Rick said he would wait out in the hall. Santa quietly peeked into the room through the half-closed door and saw little Sarah on the bed. The room was full of what appeared to be her family. There was the grandmother and the little girl's brother he had met earlier that day. A woman, whom he guessed was Sarah's mother, stood by the bed, gently pushing Sarah's thin hair off her forehead. Another woman, who he discovered later was Sarah's aunt, sat in a chair near the bed with a weary, sad look on her face. They were talking quietly 
and Santa could sense the warmth and closeness of the family and their love and concern for Sarah. Taking a deep breath and forcing a smile on his face, Santa entered the room, bellowing a hearty, ho, ho, ho. Santa, shrieked little Sarah weakly as she tried to escape her bed to run to him. Santa rushed to her side and gave her a warm hug. A child, the tender age of his own son, nine years old, gazed up at him with wonder and excitement. Her skin was pale and her short tresses bore telltale bowl patches from the effects of chemotherapy. But all he saw when he looked at her was a pair of huge, beautiful blue eyes. Santa's heart melted and he had to force himself to choke back tears. Though his eyes were riveted upon Sarah's face, he could hear the gasps and quiet sobbing of the women in the room. As he and Sarah began talking, the family crept quietly to the bedside one by one, squeezing Santa's shoulder or his hand gratefully and whispering, thank you, as they gazed sincerely at him with shining eyes. Santa and Sarah talked and talked, and she told him excitedly all the toys she wanted for Christmas, assuring him she'd been a very good girl that year. As their time together dwindled, Santa felt led in his spirit to pray for Sarah and ask for permission from the girl's mother. She nodded in agreement and the entire family circled around Sarah's bed, holding hands. Santa looked intensely at Sarah and asked her if she believed in angels. Oh yes, Santa, I do, Sarah exclaimed. Well, I'm going to ask that angels watch over you he said. Laying one hand on the child's head, Santa closed his eyes and prayed. He asked that God touch little Sarah and heal her body from disease. He asked that angels minister to her, watch and keep her safe. And when he finished praying, still with eyes closed, he started singing softly, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. The family joined in, still holding hands, smiling at Sarah and crying. Tears of hope and joy for this moment as Sarah beamed at them all. When the song ended, Santa sat on the side of the bed again and held Sarah's frail, small hands in his own. Now, Sarah, he said authoritatively, you have a job to do, and that is to concentrate on getting well. I want you to have fun playing with your friends this summer, and I expect to see you at my house at Mayfair Mall this time next year. He knew it was risky proclaiming, that to this little girl who had terminal cancer. But he had to. He had to give the greatest gift he could. Not dolls or games or toys, but the gift of hope. Yes, Santa, Sarah exclaimed, her eyes bright. He leaned down and kissed her on the forehead and left the room. Out in the hall, Santa's eyes met Rick's. A look passed between them and they wept unashamed. 
Sarah's mother and grandmother slipped out of the room quickly and rushed to Santa's side to thank him. My only child is the same age as Sarah, he explained quietly. This is the least I could do. They nodded with understanding and hugged him. One year later, Santa Mark was again back on the set in his mall for his six-week seasonal job that he loved so dearly. Several weeks went by and then one day a child came up to sit on his lap. Hi Santa, remember me? Of course I do, Santa proclaimed, as he always does, smiling down at her. After all, the secret to being a good Santa is to always make each child feel as if they are the only child in the world at that moment. You came to see me in hospital last year, she said. Santa's jaw dropped, tears immediately welled up in his eyes and he grabbed this little miracle and held her to his chest. Sarah, he exclaimed. He scarcely recognised her, for her hair was long and silky and her cheeks were rosy, so different from the little girl he had visited just a year before. He looked over and saw Sarah's mother and grandmother in the sidelines, smiling and waving, wiping away their tears. That was the best Christmas ever for Santa Claus. He had witnessed and been blessed to be instrumental in bringing about this miracle of hope. This precious little child was healed, cancer-free, alive and well. He silently looked up to heaven and humbly whispered, Thank you, Father. Tis a very Merry Christmas. This story is living proof that miracles really can happen if we believe and we stay hopeful. So I hope you enjoyed that one about Santa Claus and a little girl called Sarah. Our next story is called Right and Wrong. When Bankai, a Japanese master, held his seclusion, this included weeks of meditation, pupils from many parts of Japan came to attend. During one of these gatherings, a pupil was caught stealing. The matter was reported to Bankai with the request that the culprit be expelled. Bankai ignored the case. Later, the pupil was caught in a similar act, and again Bankai disregarded the matter. This angered the other pupils, who drew up a petition asking for the dismissal of the thief, stating that otherwise they would leave as a body. When Bankai had read the petition, he called everyone before him. You are wise brothers, he told them. You know what is right and what is not right. You may go somewhere else to study if you wish, but this poor brother does not even know right from wrong. Who will teach him if I do not? I am going to keep him here, even if all the rest of you leave. A torrent of tears cleansed the face of the brother who had stolen. Suddenly, just like that, all desire to steal had vanished. That was the story of Bankai and his pupil. And I think what I got from this story was that you could be so quick to dismiss someone who hurts you in life and to not really understand their reasons for doing it. But perhaps if we listened a bit more and tried to help, the world would be a better place.
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Power of Positivity. And I do hope it brought you some comfort in these difficult times. I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. Stay happy and stay safe.